Coming up, the New York football giants turn the page looking ahead to the Washington Commanders. We highlight a couple of injuries and also discuss an interesting narrative around the league when it comes to offensive line play. Oh, baby, you know we're in the trenches next. Ah, yes, my friends. It's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where, of course, we are your hosts over here, Adam Arbreck, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets. On the Locked On Nets podcast, my boy Doug Nori, winners the Brooklyn Nets are right now. Over there, though, you're going to find Andrew Makowitz. He is the healthy, wealthy, and wise season generational ticket holder. I'm assuming all those boxes get checked this morning. Uh, You know what other box gets checked, my friend? Hello. The Syracuse men's soccer team won their first national championship last night. I'm I feel like a proud, proud uh, alumni of, of the team. Shout shout out to all those players. It was absolutely incredible. Twelve transfers came in unranked. Was projected to finish like middle of the pack in the ACC. Made a run and did the whole thing in penalty shootout last night. Adam it was incredible. Jesus, 12, 12 transfers. So this is like... Half the team was transferred in, so they were like, we don't know what's going to happen. And then what do they do? They win the regular season ACC, they win the ACC championship, and then they win the title game. Like, who who would have thought what a storybook ending it was last night? That is fantastic, man. Yeah, awesome. Shout out to Syracuse Soccer. Hopefully, um, they're going to be celebrating and then starting the next run starting next season. While the U.S. men's soccer, by the way, a little bit of turmoil there after the world cup we won't we won't go down that road but listen I, i'll probably have to find another platform that i can talk about that because that's a fascinating situation as well that being the case we said we're going to start to look ahead to washington here we're going to talk about the giants um I, I mentioned there's some interesting stuff around offensive line play just from a league narrative standpoint and then i found this very interesting it was actually passed along from one doug nori that just talks about looking at this season overall and what could have been for the giants and around the league before we do, Andy, Monday Night Football. Oh, Adam, it, it was kind of a strange game. There were so many injuries last night. Uh, you know, concussion protocol was missed, and Devontae Parker was wobbling around on the field. And, like, Nelson Aguilar, shout out to him for being a good teammate, just literally dropped to the ground so that they would stop play because Devontae Parker was out cold standing on the field. Like, it was it was a tough scene. The, the, the whole thing last night was all about injuries. Kyler Murray, first quarter, non-contact injury expected to be ACL MCL the whole thing he is expected to be out for the year and Adam yeah the game was a blowout after that Colt McCoy comes in you know the game is kind of irrelevant at that point what I think is fascinating is you know after this everyone's kind of taking the reflection of well they signed Kyler Murray to that contract in the offseason and they kind of held their nose while doing it being like, is he dedicated is, you know, he's been injured. He has risks and all this stuff. And Adam, it, it, that contract looks like an albatross now too. Like he got, he got $189.5 million guaranteed. And the team has concerns about his work ethic. And he has a, a littered past of injury history. And he's also like five, six. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's crazy to me right now. 
Well, and the funny thing is, though, too, I think because I do um, uh, have a couple of guys that I know covering the Arizona Cardinals, I'm pretty sure after the upcoming season, they have a reasonable out from that contract where they'll only end up having it's like 20 million in dead cap or this or that. And an injury like this, in a lot of ways, probably makes that very much more on the table for them because you say, maybe you come back. What's the timeline? How do you look? And at some point, you get to kind of say, guess what? If we're probably going to bail on our head coach, maybe we're going to be bailing on our GM. We might as well take this opportunity to move on from a quarterback that was already struggling to cement himself as a franchise guy. Agreed. And and that's just the Kyler Murray piece. And you may just be like, oh, that's a one-off because it's Kyler. Like, you know, there's, there's a crazy stack going around Adam, all the, all the NFL quarterbacks that got paid over 130 million guaranteed this off season, all their teams have losing records right now. All of their teams. Like Matt Stafford got paid 130 million. Understandable because he's coming off a Super Bowl, but still, they're they're four and nine. Aaron Rodgers, after back-to-back MVPs, gets 150 million guaranteed. His team's five and eight. Russell Wilson gets the massive contract for 165 million. His team's three and ten. Then you go up to Kyler Murray. His team's four and nine. He just got hurt. And the and the guy that got paid 230 million guaranteed, Deshaun Watson. His team's five and eight. He's kind of had a mixed bag since he's been back, but not a single one of those teams looks like they're headed in the right direction either, which is a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it. I mean, you got some veteran guys there, right? Like like the Aaron Rodgers of the world, and you're talking about them needing to figure some things out. Obviously, you make a commitment to what did you lose by what you gained, right? They lose Devontae Adams at a figure, and maybe they did with Christian Watson now. Um, Deshaun Watson, clearly time away from the game. I mean, Kyler Murray is like the only outlier in that. All those other guys are like veteran quarterbacks, right? You think about guys that are making big dollar amounts, and that's like the Patrick Mahomes of the world, the Josh Allen's of the world. You go, that's working out. And that's kind of, you know, that's that's the successful new trend of where the NFL quarterback is, maybe versus the old, right? And maybe versus, uh, again, I think Aaron Rodgers still has more left in the tank to play. I think this is a a rough season for that team. I think they misjudged where their offense was going to be, and they had injuries on the line, which we'll talk about uh, league-wide in a second. But also, um, you know, the Russell Wilson one is just, oh, like you just clearly are not the the same player that you were. And that's, I think, sometimes like misjudging the product, right? That's like, it'd be like the equivalent of... um, like, I grew up loving Weezer, right? Pinkerton, the Blue Album, even the Green Album. We get it. It's not the same product that it was 20 years ago. So if I bought a ticket to go see Weezer, it'd be like, yeah, well, you're going to get like 35% of Weezer that you're desiring, and then you're going to get seven albums worth of random junk that you didn't even know they put out. So, like, I, I think that there's something there about buyer beware around the NFL, not everyone is going to be Tom Brady playing until they're 63 years old and still doing it at a high level. Yeah, I, I mean, that's an interesting little uh, analysis that you gave there. I mean, everybody loves a sweater song, so clearly that Weezer, Weezer's in for, for the OGP crowd. Right. But, I, I, you know, the, the Russell Wilson one is is kind of crazy. You wonder if, <clears throat> he, you know, Seattle had said either we don't want to pay that much to this guy or we know that the end is near. It could be either or. It looks great for them. It's just a cautionary tale. You know, the Giants have decisions to make at quarterback coming up in the offseason. Just, you know, when you think about it, there are some big time contracts that have worked out. But they're, you know, for everyone that you're like, wow, pay Mahomes whatever you want. They did the same thing to Aaron Rodgers and it's fallen off a cliff. And now it's hamstringing the team. So it is fascinating to think about how these big dollar contracts can impact so much across the rest of the roster. Yeah, 100%. And Daniel Jones, right? Again, 
we think that the his best years are ahead of him what is the ceiling of that but to your point man 25 30 35 million a year what's the number where two years from now you might look back and go oh that was a problem or you could be looking two years from now saying what a value buy right so all things to keep an eye on for the new york football giants interestingly enough so you talk about these these quarterbacks being successful and a lot of them if you look at them their situations around the offensive line have been inconsistent. There's been injuries, et cetera. And there was originally one about the Buffalo Bills that uh, a local a local coverage for them put up just saying, like, here's where the percentage of when the offensive line, the best version, plays, what percentage of snaps that best version plays, and how successful the team is. And at first I thought, man, that's such a low percentage because the Buffalo Bills, I want to make sure I get this right. So I got to do a little bit of multitasking here. When you look over at Buffalo Bills, right? So they've played 349 snaps together in their ideal best offensive line. That's 43% of their offensive snaps, which seems insane, right? Yards per play when they have that is 7.11, which is among, if not possibly the best in the league. So if they're Buffalo fan, you're kind of like, you know, look how good we can be when we're healthy. But man, only 43% of the time. You know how many teams, like, do you think that 43% is insanely low? How many teams do you think play less than, let's say, 55% with their best offensive line combination? Uh, if I had to guess, I'd probably say half of the league. Because, I mean, you could hit me with the stat before I even say anything. If you, It's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine teams have played more than 55% with their ideal starting lineup. And you go through the list, and we'll talk about the Giants here in a second. But by the way, it's like Washington, a team that's had a pretty good season for themselves, 24%, 212 snaps with the best version of their lineup. And some guys are going to suffer injuries that are season-ending, so this number is only going to plummet for them. But when you go through the list, guess what? Pittsburgh, and this is why that's not always a correlation, the best version of their lineup has been playing 93% of the time. The problem is they're only averaging... 4.89 yards per play with those snaps, right? So the quality of the player matters too, but from a consistency standpoint, I was just, I'm kind of blown away that it's kind of like, yeah, if you're, if you're crossing the 55 to 60% mark with your offensive line intact, you're in the upper echelon of the NFL and consistency is so critical to success. We'll talk about the giants here. I'm just, it's like, when you talk about injuries to key positions, the quarterback, then you talk about running backs, you talk about skill position guys, the Giants, we're talking about the secondary so much. Like the offensive line, we all know about it, and we always highlight, oh, this guy's been in or out. But it's like, hey, guess what? The offensive line in the NFL is just as inconsistent and injury-riddled as any position in the league, maybe more so. Yeah, I think I think we forget that. That virtually every game there is an offensive lineman that gets rolled up on from behind or it's just like a, a fluke play where like a, something happens, someone falls into him. I mean, there's so many collisions that occur on the offensive line. You just take for granted that these guards are going just going to be there or the left tackle yeah. is just going to be in pass block the whole time. And then you just peel things back and you realize that that's not the case. And even simply like you look at the uh LA Chargers, right? They lost they lost their offensive offensive lineman. Uh they've lost multiple offensive yeah, linemen. Just 42% with their best lineup intact. Right. So they so and and they've said Burrow, I mean Burrow, Herbert has struggled because he hasn't had the time, hasn't had the offensive weapons either. So it is funny to see that when Justin Herbert ends up getting a little bit back more of his line back and both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are out there, like yeah. wow, he oh. looks 
you you see the best version of Justin Herbert. And it's like, it's not to suggest at all that the Giants have the same correlation in terms of like how good Daniel Jones can be. But it it is simple that people were asking a question four weeks ago about how good Justin Herbert actually is when all these injuries happen. Then all of a sudden you get all these people back and you're seeing the best version. He threw for 367 in the game against the Dolphins. Like, incredible. By the way, too, um, we just said it's coming out Sunday night. Like, them winning, like, that's important. Like, for the NFL and, like, you know, fans, like, you want Justin Herbert to be in the playoffs. Like, you want, you know what I mean? It's like, you do not want Justin Herbert missing the playoffs and not being there with all those weapons they have on the offensive side of the ball and just the, the excitement that you're going to have when you talk about the upper echelon of quarterbacks around the league. And, and Herbert hasn't, you know, fully proven to be in that group, but it feels like, to your point, offensive line play away and some weapons. But when you you want the Mahomes there, you want the Allens, like Herbert, like those three guys, like that's the future, like that that is the face of the league for the next decade plus. Like you want your best players to be in the playoffs. It's why Lamar Jackson going down is a painful one. You hope that maybe there's some chance, right? Like keeping these guys involved is important. Here's the interesting thing, because we'll get it onto the Giants here. I was scrolling through these. So Kansas City, by the way, has played 64% of the time with their best lineup. And they also average what is uh 6.62 yards per carry among the best in, uh, per play among the best in the league interestingly enough miami who averages 6.7 yards per play but has only had 28 percent of the time their best lineup so it's like miami's a team that maybe is struggling at the hands of some of these injuries and you're seeing them lose some games late in the season like they're on the brink there, trying to fight their way in their division in the wild card spot like all these things matter philadelphia guess what 70 percent of the time 6.45 yards per play uh, Seattle, who's had a pretty good season, only 46% of the time, but a 6.65 yards per play. Anything over six and a half, you're in the top 10 of the league, essentially, here. So you're seeing those teams, you look at them at the minimum, they're in the playoff picture more times than not. Where do you think the Giants are from a percentage standpoint? Uh, I will say that they are at 39%. 39. Wow. Wow, Andy, 40%. The Giants have had their best version of the lineup. Now, you understand that anything over six is really good. If you're around five, you're average. You get down to three, obviously you'd be in the dumpsters. I don't think anyone's really in that area. Four would be pretty brutal. How many yards per play are the Giants averaging? I'm going to say 5.1. Four point, oh, get it right, Adam, eight, three. So they're among, like they're, so here, and to your point, whatever this means to Daniel Jones, in the best version of the Giants lineup, they're not even really that good of an offensive line. Like, and that comes down to, by the way, we know the run blocking has been better. The pass blocking has been suspect. So guess what? Yeah. You're going to get those big dynamic plays from Saquon on occasion, but more often than not, we know that Daniel Jones averages somewhere around six yards per pass play because it's about getting the ball out quickly, getting your playmakers hands and guys that don't get big separation that don't have a lot of run after catch ability in a lot of instances. So you're just talking about, Hey, get the chunk yardage and hopefully move the chain. So it's just a, it's a nice reminder of where the giants kind of are this season. I think it also highlights and illustrates that even with our starters, the interior of our offensive line isn't that good, right? Like, like when we have our full complement of offensive linemen, it just shows that like, even at full strength, we still need help. And that is certainly going to be a position that Joe Shane looks at knowing that his free, his most expensive free agent signing Mark Alinsky has not looked good. Knowing that the guy from, from Buffalo being pulled over John Feliciano has not looked good and knowing that the left guard position has been a turnstile, they really need to figure out what they're going to do on that interior because those numbers have to get better at them. Well, and let's just be clear. If I was being 100% clear here too, 
Evan Neal has struggled as a rookie. So he's a contributor to this as well. Like the, in, the interior, it's across the board here. But all, all it means is like it's a growth or it's either poor performance, young growing players, and then injuries. Because 40% also, when we talk about that ideal number, they're on the lower side of that as well. Like So that's all a big factor here. Um, LA, by the way, the Rams, 15%. That's when they've had their lineup, which obviously we know contribute, contributes to it. And the one other one I'll just highlight here before we move on to another conversation point that I th- I wonder if Andy's interested in it or not. We'll see. Um, is that the New York Football Giants? Uh, sorry, the New York Football Cincinnati Bengals. Ninety-five percent of the time, they have their best version of the lineup out there, but only averaging five point five six yards. The best version of the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is still like an okay line, but at least if you get consistency. It can give you that little extra something to get across the line. Did we cover the injuries here for the New York football giants? I blacked out. Okay. We did not. So I got over excited. We knew it was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen, but you said offensive line. That's your fault as we all understand that. But before we talk about this other alternate universe, which I thought was interesting and it's it, it, listen, starting, you know, next two days are going to be all Washington looking back at the previous game, talking about this upcoming matchup and where the giants hopefully can have success. Um, Coming out of this game, I said, the risk reward of maybe suffering an injury, maybe something having something happen. Daniel Bellinger, he goes down, questionable about what he's going to look like here. Dable said very sore coming out of that game. If they don't have him available for Washington, that is a somewhat glaring issue, understanding how depleted that wide receiver core has been, and there's an issue in that room as well. Yeah, it's it's tough to hear that Bellinger is sore. I, you know, hearing that sore and it's not broken makes me think that he's going to figure out a way to, to get out there. But yeah, I mean, we've we filled in with Cager for for a while. We have, you know, we had Tanner Hudson, we've had Chris Myrick, you know, all all these positions. It just shows that we're so thin at the tight end position right now. Even when Bellinger is healthy, we like him, but it feels like uh, that it, w- it would be nice to have another veteran in, in that in that room. When you talk about Richie James, you know, I talk to you about this all the time. It's similar to Wandell Robinson. Like when you when you have a smaller stature wide receiver and you've got 250 pound linebackers just like absolutely teeing off on them. There's just going to be these injury risks constantly. And it's, it's a tough one for Richie James. We need him out there considering we're getting nothing from Kenny Galladay at the moment. Like we have to have someone in the slot that has the ability to make some catches. Yeah, it's funny, man. He had that one issue when it came to, obviously, the punt return, and we talked about it at the time. I thought it was crazy that fans were all of a sudden dumpstering him and saying that you should jettison him off of basically the only mistake that he's essentially made all season. He's had drops in the receiving game, but we understand what his what his prospects are in that role. Bottom line is, though, when he's been out there and they've used him on the offensive side, remember when Wandell was hurt early in the season, now after, he's gone out, he gives you three to four catches a game, he moves the chains for you, even take the Tyrod Taylor touchdown off, off of the equation from yesterday, uh, sorry, from Sunday, he still is a guy that can be effective. He he has some of the best ability to the quick twitch and tight spaces and give you an opportunity. They need him out there. They don't have it. The small receivers are all gone, whether traded or injured. There's nobody really left out there. And I'm not saying it's even, you know, it's interesting with the development of Isaiah Hodgins. And we talked about him coming out of Sunday as well. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But now all of a sudden the Giants are flipping from being like small, quick twitch, open space to Big bodies, stretch the field, go up for challenges, catches. And maybe that is why Kenny Galladay should be back out there because then you'd be having these three players in him, Hodgins, and Slayton just say, yeah, we're we're going big now instead. Well, I think th- it just shows that by any means necessary, the Giants just don't have the pure talent out there to say this is what we're going to do and we're going to execute on it. It's like who's healthy, who's available, and let's scheme around that person for this week or this matchup or this one-on-one situation. Like, that's just the way it feels like the Giants have been going all season long. 
100%. The other thing then that I was interested in um, that came out was just, and this this go, this go was before this last weekend slate of games. And I'm tying it into the Giants, not because it, it, it reflects on them poorly, but just on the idea of how tight these margins are. And overall, you look at the league, and this is talking about the what-if standings. So basically, they went and they took a look at what if every one possession game went the other way on a, on a team's season record, right? And in doing so, what is that going to look like in our perception of these teams? I went back and looked at the Giants, the two last two championship runs. In, those, in both those seasons, by the way, if you flipped their one possession games, their records would have been worse in both seasons. In the 2011 campaign, they would have flipped completely to a six-win team as opposed to a 10-win team. So, I mean, there's stark contrast in this. And, and, get, and point being is like, okay, maybe that means you could have not made it, but you did make it, and you did go on the run, right? So this isn't some ironclad thing. However, I do find it interesting. We'll start with the Giants. What do you think their record would be? Because I know maybe if you looked at it, looked at their whole schedule and did the, and did the numbers, where do you think they are if you flipped their one-possession games? Uh, I mean, they got to be bottom five in the league at that point, right? Two, nine, and one. And this last weekend wouldn't impact it, obviously. So they would be two, 10, and one at this point because you'd put that loss on the ledger. Five games worse than where they stood coming in um, before they played the Philadelphia Eagles. And that would be, who do you think's the only team? Who do you think they're ahead of? One other team would be worse. Uh, Chicago Bears. The Minnesota Vikings mm. would be 1-11 and 11 entering action uh, over this previous week, and they lost that game as well, so they would be 1-12 on the season right now. And the reason why I found them really interesting and the way it ties like into the Giants, it's, remember, the Giants are winning football games early in the year. We're feeling good about it, but we also understand, hey, some razor-thin margins. And by the way, there's some games that this season didn't feel that way, but like we know they're maybe one possession away, right? And actually, ironically, I think maybe it flips that one Dallas game. I, I don't think they account for the eight-point spread. They might not be mm. two-point conversions in here. So it could have been three. could have been three wins. Um, but Minnesota's a team that's regarded as like, yeah, sure, they're good. And, and the old Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And yet, the perception of Minnesota, you, then you see this and you're like, Huh? At least for me, like, does that does that resonate with you? The idea of people being like, "Listen, you don't take, you can't take wins away. You're in the playoffs. You're winning your division, but in a division that's been very weak this year until Detroit's recent surge, it's very easy to look at Minnesota and be like, oh, right, maybe you are just a bounce of a ball in a couple of games from at least being 500.' Right? This is fully flipping the script, but they can be much closer to being a six and six, six and seven, seven and six kind of team as opposed to being a two or three loss team looking dominant at least from a record standpoint yeah well and if you go backwards one season the minnesota vikings lost so many one possession games they would they were it was like they would have been 14 and 2 had they had flipped all right. of their one possession games which illustrates like how crazy it is now this this year the ball is bouncing the right way and they're they would like if you flip the script they'd be two and two and you know whatever the number would be here's the tough part for me I, it makes sense that all the really good teams that are blowing people out, we, would, we wouldn't flip those games. So those are going to continue to stay in the win column. Those people will do what they need to do. But I think this statistic is interesting because it's like, one, the game is a matter of inches. And so could you be getting lucky? Yes or no. When, when that one play, that critical play happens, that could go either way. The second is how much do we put in, in like, there's better discipline. 
the coaches make the right call, the players execute the right play at the critical moments. Mm -hmm. And like that to me is the dichotomy that I can't fully rationalize is like how much is luck versus how much is preparation, planning and execution, knowing those moments are going to be coming in almost every game. Yeah, it's funny, too, because you actually you brought up the idea of going back on Minnesota. And I agree with you. And I want to hit just a couple of these other names on this list, because in a lot of ways, when you see the teams that are kind of surging here late in the year or perform better, it does correlate a little bit. So we'll touch on that in a second. But you mentioned Minnesota going back to last year. Remember, I'm looking over the Giants from last season. They would have picked up an extra win when they lost to Atlanta. They could have, I'm going down the list here, could have picked up a win over the Kansas City Chiefs that they lost by three. They could have picked up maybe, uh, come on, give me one more maybe. I want to get one more out of this. That ah, would have been it. So two more wins though. But by the way, would it by the end of this year, if the Giants are an eight-win team or maybe nine, we hope they can get there, right? They had a couple of luckier bounces this year. Last year, they could have been a six-win team instead of a four. You'd go, yeah, seven, eight wins is kind of right in the area that you think this team is. And, and that can be indicative of the team probably was a little bit better last year, could have been a little bit better than what their record indicated. And this year, you're in a very curious spot. Like you could go out and win one more game this season and it could be the Washington commanders and that could be all that matters. And maybe the eight wins gets you there or you grab that extra win against the Colts and you're a nine win team. But in some ways, like go back and play this season 20, 30 times, right? And injuries are a huge factor for the giants, but where would the record lie? Like I think more often than not, we'd be talking about a nine and eight team an eight and nine team, a seven and 10 team, right? Like I think it all kind of lives right in the pocket where the Giants are this year, understanding how wildly different this says it could be, I might push back on the idea of like, it's just that the Giants have played a lot of tight games. And to your point, preparation and discipline has helped them win those games. It'll be interesting how many close losses they or wins they get down the rest of the season, right? Because that'll actually make a difference in the way this would play out. Right now, they tooth and nail clawed their way to wins over the course of the start of the season. How do they finish it? You know, Adam, the other the other thing, when we talk about living in the margins, I had this stat that I, I wasn't sure if I was going to share today, but I think it, it is relevant. Mm. You know, we talk about the Detroit Lions game. Oh, the Giants gave that one away. The Lions aren't that good. Well, now we see the Lions are actually pretty good. Their offense is pretty explosive. And like that loss when we thought it was bad is actually not looking as bad as it was before. Right. And by the way. Good that you bring them up because the Detroit Lions by this metric. Now they went out and they won. They beat uh, by 11 Minnesota. So this one wouldn't have impacted it. So they give them that win. They would be nine and four now if they won every if they if they won the game, but they lost by one possession. If you flip those on their schedule, they would be second in the conference right now. And they would most likely not even most likely they would be leading the NFC North because Minnesota would be getting dumpstered right now. And the truth may lie somewhere in the middle. But when you see a surge like this from the Lions and then you go and look at that, you go, yeah, guess what? I'm more inclined to think that the, that the Lions are closer to an 8, 9, 10 win team than they are to being where they are currently. Six, seven wins fighting for a playoff spot. And it's true. Like, And that's what I mean about some of these things bearing out because the Cowboys would be right there. They'd actually be a little bit worse, seven and five, and they narrowly won. So they actually probably be one game Seven even six, worse yeah. in this column potentially the falcons would be a little bit higher why because remember the infamous the infamous uh qb 
penalty that they took tackling Tom Brady would have flipped the script and put them among the top. Seattle would be right there, actually a little bit better. The Bears would be several games better. That one might be a bit of a misnomer because I think that overall the Bears are not a particularly strong team. But even the Cardinals, who we talk about losing Kyler Murray last night, and this is where I think talent is a big part of it. If you look at that team from a talent standpoint, you'd say, I could understand them being more of a 500 team than being dumpstered where they are right now. The AFC becomes a little more interesting. I don't know if you have any other – it looks like you got something percolating no, over there. No, I mean, uh, I was illustrating the Lions, uh, you know, because when we think about the Giants, people people are – you know, this stat is, is indicative of like, oh, look how the razor-thin margins, they could very well be a very bad team. The, the one thing that I, I, I do like to think about is in the games that they did lose, they lost to the Lions. That is not looking like a bad loss. They lost to Seattle, who right now I believe is in or like on the on the precipice of of a playoff berth. They're over 500 and they lost to Dallas twice and they lost to the Eagles. I I haven't gotten the full stat, but overall, 45 and 20 is the record of the teams that the Giants have lost to, which is a 69 percent win percentage, Adam. So the average record of a team that the Giants are losing to right now is nine and four. That's yeah, not yeah. like that's not the worst thing in the world. It shows that they're actually beating the teams they're supposed to beat, and they're losing to the teams that probably have a little bit more talent than them. So it feels like whether the wins and losses are putting themselves in the right spot, it feels like it evens itself out, and we're kind of just below the teams that are really good, and we're beating the teams that are at the bottom of the barrel. I have a supplemental stat that I'll throw out regarding that because I think you're 100% right. Quickly here, just on the NFC, because it's funny. I just wanted to highlight that the, the Bucks would be 6-6. Six and six, The Packers would be 6-7. and seven. Like, all teams, the, the Commanders would be terrible, 4-8-1. and one. Like, you know, but most of the teams that are in kind of that, some of these teams that are muddled, again, based on where you think they are this season just by watching games, they'd be right in the same kind of spot. And that's, I think, where you go, okay, it does even out. And ironically, in the AFC, just quickly, we mentioned the Lions. The Jacksonville Jaguars would be eight and four. And if you think about how they played recently and they've been a surging team in a lot of ways, listen, do I think they're a double digit win team? If you replay the season over, maybe, maybe not, but new head coach trying to get the best out of, out of Lawrence, obviously trying to improve that team, brought in a lot of weapons, (laughs) Evan Ingram having a career day the other day that really, I think maybe made Andy almost pull out his hair, but it's just funny to look over there where it would be Browns, Raiders, Jaguars, Bills as the top four with the Ravens, Chiefs, and Broncos filling that out. And by the way, AFC, a very competitive division, a conference as well in that regard. Specifically, just to uh, round this out here at the end of the day, we'll even say be a little bit of a long-winded one here, which usually is the case if I'm on the mic. Um, You mentioned about that record, though, when it comes to the New York football Giants. I had brought this up, and there's some other things that I wanted to touch on here, too. And this is a little bit off-season stuff when you get the full scope of everyone that you've played. But in the Giants' wins, the total offensive ranking for the teams that they've placed faced 32, 30, 29, 22, 15, 14, and 11. So, hey, you've beaten some crap teams off that are bad offensive teams, and you've done a decent job getting up almost to the upper third. The losses they've taken, the offensive rankings are 3, 5, 10, two times, which is Dallas there, and 12. To your point, like, hey – who are we losing to? The teams that are really good. You know, it's an offensive-driven league. The teams with really good offenses, we struggle against. The ones that maybe don't quite have all the firepower, all the weapons, and we'll talk about QB play as well eventually. Like, yeah, we can win those games, which, to your point, I think that right now where their record stands at 7-5-1 and one, and waiting to see what happens when they take on the commanders, it's kind of right where they should be. And if I had to push it one side or the other, 
I'd say, yeah, they're probably closer to being seven and six than eight and five as a football team. And that's not terrible because that means it means you're better. You're better than eight, nine, maybe, you know, nine, 10 teams, right? If you want to start ranking them, I'd say, yeah, the Giants are deserving of being somewhere between 20 and 15 in this league based on what they've accomplished this year. That's actually a really good thing for them. Yeah, the, the metrics that you said is is uh, it goes hand in hand with exactly what I was saying, Adam, where it's like we we beat an 11th ranked passing team, but we lost the 12th. It's kind of like it for me, I, you know, I, I think of it as like anywhere between 12 and 18 is kind of where I have the Giants sitting. Like, can they be a fringe playoff team or are they just on the outside looking in? The Giants don't have the firepower to beat a top 10 offense, but they're also well coached and disciplined enough to beat the bottom 10 teams in yeah. terms of total offense. So like they kind of live in that middle section, which I think is where this team ha it has been historically for the whole year. And that's why at the end of the day, we know that this team is flawed, but they're finding ways to win games. They're beating teams they're supposed to. And what's fascinating is we're going to find out with the commanders coming up. Is this a team we're supposed to beat? Are we supposed to be a fringe playoff team or are we still a year or two away from really being able to make, you know, get into the playoffs and, and win a game? Yeah, hundred percent. And by the way, Micah McFadden who left the game was replaced by Tay Crowder with the ankle injury. Um, Brian Dable said he's sore. Everyone's sore. So it doesn't look like that should be a, a long lasting one. I don't think I, 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 I highlighted him as being a guy that got downhill on a couple of run plays, hit the gaps, right cut off some runs trying to get out to the edge in that game. It wasn't, we saw some comments about that. Hey, you guys are pulling at straws here. It was a terrible game, but some players made some nice plays and that's what you're going to focus on. And then obviously when it comes just to Saquon Barkley quickly here uh, says he has no doubt he'll play against Washington. Uh, Dable also remains hopeful. Hopefully said Dable, he's a little better this week than he, than he was last week. So I'm hopeful. Um, I'm just going to, we can safely assume that that's just being a little bit, tongue and cheek around uh, the, the health of Saquon Barkley is obviously going to play and they'll see about a Dory Jackson. We'll continue to highlight that over Thursday and Friday. It looks like he's moving in the direction of being able to play. Um, let me know in the comments, man, you get over to YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel. You can continue to support our journey towards 2000 subscribers. We really appreciate it, but let me know if, you know, we do this five days a week. There's a lot of things to discuss. And I, some of this stuff I think is informative around the way you feel about the giants around the way you feel about the league overall. And especially when it comes to the offensive line stuff, I think sometimes you can take solace in the idea. Oh, you know what? It's not perfect for anybody because sometimes from the inside, you're like, ah, oh, we're the only team that can't have a healthy offensive line. We're the only team that can't have the best version of X, Y, and Z. In a lot of ways, the giants have maybe gotten lucky through effort, determination, quality coaching, and, and just quality play on the field to get to 7-5-1. and one. Keep enjoying it as we work our way along. Get the podcast on your podcast feeds, wherever you get those needs fulfilled as well. Back again tomorrow. Two full days, two full episodes, all focusing. What day is it today, Andy? Uh, today's Tuesday. Three full days, three full episodes covering the Washington Commanders game. Not going to lie, guys. I spent the entire episode thinking it was already Wednesday. Until next time, as Andy Mackowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.